So we're talking about a system here that is 10 times richer than uh, most underground mines. Um, that's the opportunity here. And, and just so you know, that this isn't the exception in the area. Joining us for a conversation is Sean Kunkun, the CEO of Strike Point Gold. Mr. Kunkun, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Maurice. Glad to have you on the program to share the opportunity before us in Strike Point Gold. Before we delve into company specifics, Mr. Kunkun, please introduce us to Strike Point Gold and the opportunity the company presents to shareholders. Uh, Straight Point is, uh, is an exploration company um, advancing high-grade properties in safe jurisdictions. Um, I repurposed the company back in 2016. Uh, the gold price had been cut in half and uh, majors were not uh, exploring, they weren't developing. And the thinking was we could buy pro projects for pennies on the dollar, uh, we could advance them, and uh, in the future uh, um, we could uh, move those projects along to large entities looking to secure development pipelines. You know, that's that uh, you have a reputation, I should say, for having an astute business acumen and a great use of optionality on uh, how you establish the company here. Uh, looking at the map before, Strike Point Gold has the property bank situated in the prolific Golden Triangle. Get us acquainted with the region and some of your neighbors. Okay, so, um, you know, the Triangle, uh, it's an area that uh, exploration has been going on for over 100 years. Uh, it's produced some of the richest gold mines in the world. Uh, if you look at the premier mine that Ascot is currently uh, currently holding, uh, that was one of the richest um, modern mines in the modern era um, in terms of number of ounces, in terms of grade. Uh, Esky Creek, um, you know, a very, very, very strong gold and silver mine. So the area is known for large deposits, high-grade deposits. But more recently, what we've seen is we've seen, uh, uh, you know, with the discovery uh, of, of Bruce Jack, uh, which is Pretium, uh, we've seen large companies like Newmont, like Newcrest, uh, have come into the area, and uh, there's just a, it's, it's a flurry of activity. There's tremendous infrastructure today, uh, so it's one of the hottest uh, mineral exploration hubs in the planet. Let's go on site and find out more, sir. Take us to the flagship Willoughby Gold Project and introduce us to the value proposition before us. Okay, so the Willoughby Project. Um, you know, what we've got there is we've got a property that was uh, originally explored in the eight, uh, 1989 to 1995, 96 time period. So there was an adit driven into the mountain. There was about 120 drill holes and there were some really, really robust grades that were discovered, um, you know, 20 gram gold over 20 meter thickness. So, so a really spectacular, uh, you know, world-class discovery. <clears throat> And at the time in 1996, you know, the, the, the Briex scandal happened and uh, you also had the gold price uh, heading down to just under $200 an ounce in 1999. So it was a very, very difficult time for the mineral uh, resource industry. And, um, you know, the opportunity that we came up with, uh, we acquired the property in 2018 and um, we, we see the opportunity in that there's a lot of grade on the project we are trying to connect the dots in between zones. So that's the, that's, the, that's the value proposition, is linking these zones to show that this is a mineable project. I referenced business acumen. When and under what terms was StrikePoint Gold able to acquire the Willoughby Gold Project? Uh, that's a, that's a, it's an interesting story. So back in uh, October of 2018, uh, the gold price got sold down to about $1,100 an ounce. And in that moment, um, 
you know, we were able to acquire Willoughby for $85,000 in cash and by issuing 3 million shares of StrikePoint, which at that time was valued at about half a million dollars. So considering the amount of drilling that was done on the property, its proximity to Red Mountain, which um, was subsequently acquired by uh, Ascot, um, it, was, uh, it was really a once in a generation uh, acquisition for the company. Germain, to the value proposition and exploration thesis is an important stratigraphic marker known as the red line. What is the red line and where is it in relation to the Willoughby Gold Project? So there was two um, BCGS geologists, uh, Jeff Kaiba and Joanne Nelson. Um, and as they were looking at, uh, at this tremendous area that's produced, you know, very, very high grade deposits, um, they were trying to look at um, a model, a geological model to identify where to look for the next giant gold, silver and copper deposits in the region. So Kaiba and Nelson came up with this um, theory, um, and it's, uh, it's a theory that um, has been widely accepted by the scientific community, and it identifies a contact. Um, so the big deposits in the Golden Triangle are found within two kilometers of where two different rock types meet. So this is the, uh, the Triassic Tahini rocks and the uh, Jurassic uh, Hazelton formation. So where these two different rock types meet within two kilometers of that contact, some of the, some of the biggest and, and most of the deposits in the region are found. Thus far, we've been able to determine that Strike Point Gold is in a friendly mining jurisdiction located in the prolific Golden Triangle, neighboring some very prominent names, and the project is along the red line. Two-pronged question, can you delve a little further into the historic resource and share some of the grades with us? So um, there isn't a, a formal 43101 compliant resource on the property, but what you have is you've got uh, about eight different areas throughout the Willoughby property where there's tremendous grade and there's been, uh, you know, a lot of drilling. Um, so, you know, on the back of a napkin, I, I don't really want to speculate in terms of, of, of ounces, but, um, you know, there's, what we're looking for here is the neighboring Red Mountain deposit, um, which is just under a million ounces at about seven and a half grams per ton. We think this is analogous to Red Mountain. And if you look at the footprint of the mineralization um, from surface, it leads us to believe that we're onto a very, very large gold system here. So, um, you know, this, this season is going to be crucial. Um, you know, we've done uh, some significant work on the property to date. We've got assays pending, and we're really trying to uh, accomplish two things. We are trying to, number one, uh, link different zones of mineralization. And number two, uh, we're actually looking for where you could fit a deposit into the system. And we are drilling some, what I would describe as wildcat holes into areas that, um, you know, should host a, a very, very large system. So there's, there's two opportunities on the property. One is for a Treaty Creek or KSM style disseminated large system. So, you know, those are two systems, you know, one's 40 million ounces of gold, the other's 10 million ounces of gold. These are large disseminated systems. And then the other opportunity is for, um, you know, a higher grade epithermal vein rich system. So we've seen uh, both types of mineralizations on, on the property. 
And um, if you look at what Ascot's doing in terms of their hub and spoke model, uh, and, and you've got, in addition to Ascot, Yamana's come into the area, you've got Newmont. So there's a, there's a huge appetite from uh, larger gold entities for consolidation and acquisition. Speaking of wildcat drilling, last month, StrikePoint Gold announced the commencement of a 3,000-meter drill program. How is the program coming along, and when can shareholders expect results? So sure. Um, so I was just up in Stewart, um, j- just coming back from uh, a trip up there with our technical advisor, Rob McLeod. Uh, the program's going really well. You know, we are blessed, Maurice, with one of the best teams uh, in the exploration business. These are professionals that have worked on a lot of the big projects in the Golden Triangle. Um, you know, we're, we're in the midst, we're, we're about halfway through our planned meters. So we originally came out with a 3000 meter program at Willoughby. We're, we're halfway through that program. It's going exceptionally well. It's on time, it's on budget. And um, I would expect assays, um, you know, to start coming in. Again, it's, it's very difficult to speculate on, on assays because you are dealing with third-party labs. And if uh, 2020 taught me anything, you know, we were, you know, exceptionally delayed in, in assay times. But I would suspect that uh, we're going to have a very results-rich um, autumn season, a, a very result rich fall after Labor Day, and that we should be reporting ongoing into Q1. Sounds very intriguing. If you enjoyed the value proposition of the Willoughby, wait till you hear about the Porter. Mr. Kunkun, please introduce us to the Porter Silver Project. Uh, But before I get specifically into Porter, Maurice, I want to tell your viewers, and I want to tell you, you know, this goes beyond Porter, this goes more to why silver. Um, and you know, my last experience in a bull market for gold, when gold prices went from hundreds of dollars up to, to thousands of dollars in, into uh, 2011, it was, uh, it was the silver stocks, the silver equities that delivered the best returns for resource investors. So I was very deliberate um, during this cycle. You know, in 2018, the company acquired uh, uh, Porter. We acquired it from Skeena Resources. I was very deliberate in positioning the company with a high-grade silver property. Uh, if you look at the number of pure high-grade silver properties in the world, um, you know you you could you could count them on a couple of hands. There's very few opportunities for resource investors in the silver space, and even fewer outside of Chile, Argentina, Mexico, and Peru. So we've got a safe jurisdiction opportunity that we're offering our investors. It's a past producing silver mine. It's got, it's one of the highest grade silver mines I've ever come across in my career. The average production grades at Porter were 2,500 grams per ton, but it's the, uh, it's the exploration um, thesis. It's the, it's the opportunity. What you have Maurice is you have mineralization um, at either side of Mount Rainey and Mount Rainey is overlooking the town of Stewart. You can see the Petro-Canada gas station. You can see the deep water seaport going into the Portland Canal. You can see Highway 37A. All the infrastructures there uh, were two kilometers from the town, but you've got this high-grade mineralization that's at either side of Mount Rainey. So you've got the Silverado mine on one side, you've got Prosperity Porter, Idaho on the other side. They're separated by about two kilometers. And there was a large glacier, the Silverado Glacier, that uh, prohibited uh, exploration in the past. That glacier's pulled back. It's opened up a new exploration corridor. And we believe those two systems are gonna meet. And when you have two systems meeting, you usually have exceptional grades. 
Um, so, you know, there's the opportunity there is to link up these two past producing mines by drilling into the center of the mountain. And uh, it's, it's an opportunity that previously was uh, not accessible. It, it now is. And this is the season that strike point tests that theory. So in addition to stepping out from each of the mines on either side, we've got step outs um, where we're trying to extend the, the known high-grade resources and, and known areas that were once in their production. But the real opportunity is a target that we call Big Flex. And that Big Flex opportunity is a series of drill holes right into the center of the system um, where these two systems should meet. And um, you know if we're successful and if the assays come back uh, anywhere in the neighborhood of where historic production grades were, this is going to uh, it's going to be a transformational year for Strike Point. You referenced twenty five hundred uh, grams per ton on the historical work. That's multiples higher. Let's put that in, uh, of what you need to go into production. Can you put that into some type of perspective for someone that may not be familiar with uh, silver mining? Yeah, yeah, I, absolutely. So, um, you know, there's not all deposits are are the same. You've got underground mines. You've got open pit mines. So. Um, so typically what you'd see at, a, at an open pit silver mine is, is, is one ounce material or 30 gram material. At, at an underground mine, you're probably closer to 200 grams per ton. So we're talking about, um, or, or eight, eight ounces roughly. So we're talking about a system here that is 10 times richer than uh, most underground mines. Um, that's the opportunity here. And, and just so you know that this isn't the exception in the area. If you look at some of the giant silver mines in the area, uh, like SK Creek, they produced almost 200 million ounces of silver at better than 2,000 grams per ton. So there's a lot of precedent in this area for mines like this. Uh, SK is one example. Um, at the Premier Mine, there was a lot of high-grade silver recovered. At Predium's Bruce Jack, there's a lot of high-grade silver that's coming out, and uh, just to the south of us, Dolly Varden silver. I see that the Porter has a historic resource. Is the goal to twin the holes? Uh, no, uh, the goal is not to twin the holes. The goal is to extend um, the known band. So we had a, uh, you know, while we were drilling the Willoughby property last season in 2020. Uh, we sent a team out to do some surface work at Porter. So they were looking to extend the veins at surface. Um, so this is the D, D vein, the blind vein. This is on the Prosperity Porter, Idaho side. So we were successful uh, at, at surface. We have come up with uh, new extensions. Uh, we've discovered new veins. And uh, so the goal here is to extend and expand the, uh, the known veins at both Silverado and Prosperity Porter, Idaho. Uh, it's to uncover new veins around that. But the big prize here is if we were able to come up with some structure, some, some mineralization in between those two zones that have never been explored. You've also been busy doing some field mapping and grab samples. Uh, what were the results? Um, they, they've been you know, very elevated. Uh, and you're specifically referring to the Porter property? Yes, sir. I'm sorry. So, so yeah, so up to uh, recently, we've had up to 3,800 grams per ton. But when we first acquired the property, I've actually, um, I didn't think I was going to do this, but um, this is a 44,000 gram per ton sample from Porter. 
Uh, this is from the Silverado side. So we've had up to 44,000. And I was actually out there and, you know, I'm in the field, Maurice, and uh, this is what I see. And then we, you know, we, we break into the rock and this is what's uncovered. So, you know, this is one of the most exceptional specimens I've ever come across in my career. And uh, so up to 44,000 grams per ton. So that's 20 times the average production grades. Oh, that's just beautiful. <laughs> I love that there. All <laughs> right, sir. Let's discuss some important topics germane to your projects. And that is, are the projects 100% owned? They are 100% owned, yes. And what is your relationship with the First Nations? So um, there's two First Nations groups in the area. And so south of uh, Treaty Creek, um, we're in uh, we're in Nishka territory. And so we've got uh, a very, very strong relationship with the Nishka Nation. About a third of our workforce comes from Nishka. And, um, you know, everyone from our team um, has uh, had a long history of uh, just a very, very, very strong, strong relationship there. I've, I've said this before, you know, there are, there are brothers, there are sisters, there are f friends. Um, this goes beyond, uh, you know, you know, this is, yeah, they're, they're truly our partners. And it's not, it, it goes beyond the Nishka. It's, um, it, it, it's, it's everybody that's close to the Stuart community. Um, so these are, these are, you know, non-First Nations, these are non-Indigenous peoples as well. Um, you know, we are, we are, we are truly uh, from the North for the North. And, um, and that's, uh, yeah, that's our, our policy. We've discussed the good, let's address the bad. What can go wrong and what are your action plans to mitigate that wrong? So in 2020, we had uh, one of the worst weather years up in the Golden Triangle that we'd seen in about a decade. And so that hasn't been the case this year. Um, but last year, if you, if you scanned about two dozen junior resource companies and went through their financial statements, what you'd see is, you know, some companies were, were operating at uh, 30% production because of weather. Um, I'm happy to report that at strike point last season, uh, we, we co combated the weather and we were operating at about 90, 95% productivity. Um, so so we, we overcame weather, but weather can be a challenge in, in this part of the world. Um, apart from weather, um, you know, there's, uh, there, you know, we've, you know, we went through the, uh, the COVID pandemic in terms of, uh, you know, more, more regulations and, uh, you know, just a stronger adherence to health and safety. Um, so, you know, you're, you're always on high alert in terms of uh, COVID outbreaks. Um, and, uh, and, and lastly, um, just with, with the scarcity of certain uh, supplies. You know, we, we started the season, um, we saw some trends in, in lumber um, in late 2020. So we, we made all of our wood, wood purchases in Q4 of 2020 and in late Q3. And thank, thankfully so, because it, had we tried to secure lumber in Q1 and Q2, we would have, we would have play, paid uh, twice the price. Now, thankfully, things like lumber and other costs have come down, but um, there is, uh, you know, there is a shortage of certain goods and items. So sometimes we're, we're you know, there are some delays, um, but, you know, those are the types of things that can go wrong, Maurice. You know, speaking of that adverse weather, uh, last week you were there on site and the goal was to actually uh, get some footage from you being out there and <laughs> the weather would not permit. <laughs> All right, let's discuss the people responsible for increasing shareholder value. Mr. Kunkun, please introduce us to your board of directors and management team, and what skill sets do they bring to Strike Point Gold? 
Okay, so um, we've got uh, we've got a diverse group. You know, if you looked at a, a, a skills and experience matrix, um, we've got you know we've got a lot of boxes checked here. Uh, we've got a mining engineer in Ian Harris. Uh, Ian, um, you know, he was uh, instrumental in the sale of Corriente Resources for about six hundred and ninety million dollars. Uh, we've got an exploration geologist in Adrian Fleming. Uh, I, I don't think we have enough time to go through all of Adrian's successes, but um, he's, uh, he's just a tremendous mentor to the, the, the young geologists that, uh, that, that work for the company. So we've got a, a tremendous uh, mining engineer. We've got a great um, exploration geologist, um, Carol Lee, who is the uh, chief financial officer for Ascot Resources, is on, uh, is on the board. Um, you know, so we've got we've got a team, and then beyond the board of directors, we've got advisors like uh, Rob McLeod, uh, Ryan Waymark, um, you know, myself. Um, to to round things out, I come from a marketing and uh, and a capital raising background. So we've got a, we've got all the right elements you need to move a company like Strike Point forward. Let's get into some numbers. Please provide us with the capital structure for Strike Point Gold. So, so StrikePoint has uh, about 200 million shares issued and outstanding. Um, you've got Eric Sprott as a, uh, as a lar- the, the largest shareholder at close to 20%. Uh, you've got a couple of uh, corporate shareholders in Ascot and Skeena. Um, in terms of institutional ownership, I believe it's around 40%. Um, and you've got you know, tremendous names in the uh, in the institutional lessons, you've got firms like Delbrook, uh, Crestcat, uh, US Global, Gold 2000, um, Sprott. Uh, so, you know, it's all, all the who's who in the uh, resource fund space. How much cash and cash equivalents do you have? So um, we've got about $10 million in the bank. And, um, you know, we, uh, we've got about a $4 million budget here. Um, so we should, if you know, we should start the year with roughly six million dollars. We should start Jan first, twenty twenty two, with about six million dollars after all of our exploration expenditures and spending. How much debt do you have? Zero. And if you can, just remind us one more time, what is the float? Um, the float. So if you, you know, if you take the two hundred million and you x out these, uh, you, you you take out Eric Sprott and you take out some of these institutional owners and uh, and the corporates that leaves about 20% of the float so roughly uh, you know roughly 40 million shares in closing sir what keeps you up at night that we don't know about um maurice when our crew is in the field um, they're on my mind and uh, so I sleep like a baby come December when the crews are off the property. And uh, so that's the one thing that it's just always in the back of my mind. Like, you know, when you, when you go to work with people, you, you know, you start to, you know, really care about them and, and until everybody's gone home to their families at Christmas, uh, that's, it's the one thing in the back of my mind. And it's part of the reason that, we, you know, we make, make our best efforts to go up and to uh, spend time with our crews. Uh, team morale is important. And, uh, yeah, like I said, we've got one of the best teams in the field. So uh, just the health and safety of my crew. Last question. What did I forget to ask? Um, what did you forget to ask? Well, one of the things that, uh, you, you know, you, you, you should know is that I've personally invested about half a million dollars in the strike point. So I've got a lot of skin in the game. Like for me, that's uh, a material amount of money. 
And so my interests are aligned with shareholders' interests, um, you know, my, my family, my friends, um, you know, there's a lot more in terms of, uh, you know, re reputation um, and, uh, and, and, and personal uh, skin in the game. So that's, that's one thing I'd like your viewers to know. Mr. Kunkun, it's been a pleasure speaking with you today. Wishing you and Strike Point Gold the absolute best, sir. Thanks, Maurice. Thank you so much for this opportunity. The information presented on Proven and Probable is provided for educational and informational purposes only, without any express or implied warranty of any kind, including warranties of accuracy, completeness, or fitness for any particular purpose. The information is not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice, or any other advice. You should not make any financial, investment, or trading decision based on any of the information presented without first undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional broker or competent financial advisor.